Welcome to the Messiah Podcast. We are so glad you tuned in today. Whether you are driving, doing chores, or taking a walk, we hope the Lord quiets your head and your heart to hear truth and be challenged through His Word. Without further ado, let's dive into the message. It's great to see all of you here today. I'm so glad that uh, you took time to come and worship. Uh, Grab a Bible, if you would, or your phone. Start turning over to Mark chapter 9. And uh, we're kind of right in the middle in this section. And uh, so if you feel a little bit like, hey, I'm coming in the middle of a chapter, you, you are. And so I'll kind of try to bring you up to speed in the story. Uh, real quick, uh, Jesus and his disciples, if you may recall, if you were here last couple weeks, they were on the top of Mount Tabor, came down. Uh, that was a Mount of Transfiguration. They came down met a a dad who was grieving because he had a child who was demon-possessed. Jesus cast out the demon. And then they began to head back towards Capernaum. And uh, while they were going back to Capernaum, the disciples began to argue along the way as to which one of them was the greatest. And when they got back into Capernaum, which was Jesus' home away from home, if you will, where he established his home uh, right by uh, the Sea of Galilee, Um, he began to ask the disciples, what are you arguing about? And of course, they didn't want to answer that they were arguing about which one of them was the greatest. And so Jesus actually took a child and put it in front of them. And and I'll reference that in just a moment. So it's just amazing to me that we're talking about kids ministry restarting up on uh, March 7th, not May 7th, March 7th, uh, right around the corner. My biggest fear in this COVID year is, is that kids, we might be losing kids um, I know how hard it is just as, you know, being a parent of kids to keep your kids close to Christ. And the church is amazing how the church comes alongside and helps and assists raise up our kids to know Christ. And without that, it's put all of it on to parents. And, and if you're a parent and you know the struggle over the last year, um, how hard it is. Uh, to keep bringing your kids closer and closer to Christ. They need other people in their life to help with that. And so I'm really excited that we're going to be starting this on March 7th because Jesus is actually going to be addressing this uh, with us today. So if you've got Mark 9 open, uh, I want you to look at verse 36. We're just reviewing the last part of, of when Jesus set the child in front of them. So verse 36. He took a little child whom he placed among them, taking the child in his arms. He said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. And I would just say thank you to all of you who stepped up to say I want to be part of kids ministry. I want to help out. I want to help kids know about Jesus Uh, because he's speaking very directly um, to you this morning. Well, then, right in the middle um, of this teaching of children, a question is asked by the disciples. So if it feels like we get derailed from kids and then we're coming back, that's exactly what happened. You know how it is if if you've ever taught. While you're teaching, you know, and somebody goes, got a question, and all of a sudden you stop what you're teaching, deal with the question, then go back to teaching. And this is kind of what happened here, that one of the disciples asked a question. Teacher, said John, we saw someone deriving out demons in your name and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Don't stop him, Jesus said, for no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. 
Whoever is not against us is for us. Truly, I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name, because you belong to the Messiah, will certainly not lose their reward. The gospel was just beginning to expand. So you have 12 disciples that were sent out and they went out and they began to preach and all the people were gathering around listening to the disciples. They were listening to Jesus. They were watching the miracles. The disciples were doing miracles and what happened was was people's lives started to be uh, transformed. They began to become believers in Christ and as a believer in Christ they began to do the same thing. They began to teach. And some of them watched what Jesus did, watched what the disciples did, and followed suit. And somebody would, they would meet someone, and they would say, you know, in the name of Jesus, and they would heal them, and miracles were happening. So, I mean, this is a good thing. All of a sudden, it's starting to grow. This whole movement of, of Christianity is actually beginning to start grow and start go. And I think the disciples were like, uh, Jesus, uh, what do we do? People are doing this on their own. Um, should, should we tell them don't do this? And we're just supposed to do this? Or are they supposed to do this? Or we don't know really what to think here now. Because we've never seen this before. And that's when Jesus said, don't stop them. Don't, this is exactly what we want. is a permeating gospel movement. Now, what does it have to do today? Everything. That the gospel is not just taught here about Christ. It's in your lives. It's you praying over people and God hearing your prayers as you pray. It's you putting a hand on someone and praying for healing for them. It's you interceding. It's you being who God called you to be. You are the church. It's not the church that's gathered here. The church is everywhere you go. Every person you meet Along the way, everybody you meet, God uses you, wants to use you for his purposes. And all he needs is a willing person to say, here I am, God, use me, use me, use me today, use me tomorrow, use me every day. And then what I love is that we gather back together on Sunday and we just celebrate about all the things that God's doing. And then we all go out and we just do what God's calling us to do because that's what the church is. It's God using every one of us, and it doesn't matter your age. God can do amazing things regardless of your age. Listen to this, child. When seven-year-old Ella Tryon was hospitalized last year, she turned to one of her favorite activities for comfort, coloring. I'd like that you can come up with something in your imagination and draw it on a piece of paper, says Ella. Hooked up to a feeding tube and IVs, the Montville, Ohio youngster was confined to a room at University Hospital's Rainbow Babies and Children's Hospital while being treated for a severe allergic reaction to gluten. Her mother, Jackie, went to the hospital playroom in search of crayons. She was told the hospital could not maintain a sufficient supply due to cross-contamination concerns. With the help of her mom, Ella set out to make the hospital as colorful as its name. Dubbing her project, Color Me a Rainbow, she began soliciting donations through word of mouth and social media. In October, she delivered 13,132 boxes of crayons and 254 coloring books donated from across the country. 
Neighbors and friends were driving half an hour to bring 10 boxes of crayons because they just wanted to be part of it, says Mom Jackie, whose basement is filled with crayons and books. Ella, who has become known as the Crayon Kid, writes a personal note to each recipient hospital as well as to donors. And now hospitalized kids who receive crayons are paying it forward by donating new boxes of crayons back to Ella's cause. It doesn't matter how old you are. God can do amazing things. She's seven years old and she was making a difference. That every one of us, wherever we are, whatever our age, are able to do what God is asking us to do. But I love this. Did you catch? I want to review verse 41. Truly I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. Do you know what's amazing? Do you realize that God remembers every good deed that we do? He remembers. He doesn't forget. You got Mark open. Turn over to Matthew. We're coming back. Turn over to Matthew chapter 25. He wants us to know that when he puts on our heart to do something or gives us an opportunity to do something for someone else, he always remembers what we did. So Matthew 25, find verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Here it is. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. He remembers. Don't ever think that God notices something that nobody else does. When God gives you the chance to do something, do it. And you'll forget about it. And someday God will say, remember when? And you're like, no. God will replay that part of your life and say, I, I do. I remember when you did this. And I never forgot. And I don't think we fully understand that, but I think someday we will. And so I just want to encourage you, on Ash Wednesday, if you didn't listen to the message, you might want to listen to it. I encouraged you, instead of giving something up for Lent, get up every morning and say, God, teach me how to love you more and provide an opportunity for me to love someone else. Help me to love someone else every day. Keep looking for those opportunities. All right, now Jesus goes back to his teaching about children. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, 
It would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. Let's just pause there. That's pretty straightforward. How God feels about the faith of children and how critical it is that kids know about Jesus. And says if anybody causes them to stumble, to not believe, or to lead them astray, this would be better for them. Then it goes on a little bit deeper. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell. Where the worms that eat them do not die and the fire not quenched. Okay, let me, let me just bring a little clarity here. The word that Jesus uses here is actually called Gehenna, which is hell. But there was a place outside of Jerusalem called Gehenna. It was like a garbage dump that was always on fire. And there were worms there that were always eating whatever was left over. So when Jesus was talking, he wasn't just talking like someday about hell. They could relate when he was talking about Gehenna like, just like Gehenna. Y'all know Gehenna. Big garbage dump. I mean, it's hard not to know a garbage dump. Just like the garbage dump, there's fires, there's suffering, there's worms. Can you picture that? He said, that's what happens. That can happen. If you stumble or you, you stop believing in Christ. That's where he's going. So let me, let me make sure that I'm helping you understand. God's love for us is beyond measure. We can't comprehend how much God loves us. And if there's anything that comes into our life that could possibly take us out of a relationship with Christ, God says, get rid of it in your life. That's, that's what this message is. If there's something that's hindering you, some of you might be in a relationship that you know might be with somebody who's leading you away from Christ. That's why God said don't marry an unbeliever because it's so easy to be led away from Christ. It may be a relationship that you're like, I've got to stop this. It may be a job that you're being asked to compromise your morals and it's something that you know is wrong that you're being asked to do that you know is a faith issue for you and you're compromising your faith and you're doing things that you ought not be doing. God may be saying to you, maybe it's time to get that out of your life so that you can follow me and my relationship with you, um, with God, matters so deeply. It could be, this is where it's going to get much more personal, it could be that thing that you're holding in your hand right now, your phone, 
can be used in a wonderful way. It can also be used in a really bad way. And it could lead you away from Christ depending on what you're using it for. You have access to so many things. I'll just use one example. Pornography very easily grabs your heart and and Satan is very intentional. He wants to lead you away from God. It's starting earlier and earlier and earlier in kids' lives that they're being introduced to this by phones. What is God saying? If there's something, social media, if social media is becoming toxic for you, and you realize when you're done, it's affecting you and you're responding and, and it's impacting your faith. What's God saying? Maybe it's time to turn it off. If there's anything in your life, and trust me, Satan knows your weakest point, And he's throwing everything he's got at your weakest point. And your weakest point is different than the person next to you. He's very strategic. He's been studying you your whole life. And he knows what to put in front of you because his goal is ultimately to get you out of a relationship with God. And he wants to destroy your life as much as possible. So he's going to intentionally put things in your life, put things across your path, hopefully that you'll grab onto. And slowly you'll start moving down that path. I mean, for some people it's drugs. For some people it's alcohol. It doesn't matter what it is. There's, I mean, there's so many things in this world. Why is there so many things that are not good, because Satan is doing everything he can to put those things in your life. And what is God saying? He's using the example of cut your hand off or pluck your eye out. It's not, he's not asking you to maim yourself. He's asking you to remove in your life whatever is in your life that could lead you down a path that eventually you would turn your back on Christ and say, enough, I, I don't believe this anymore. And he's working overtime. COVID hasn't helped us because two-thirds of churches across America, people are out of the church. Half of the church stopped going to church altogether, not even online. Satan is using every means possible. How do we get people further from God? How do I meaning Satan, work in your life to destroy your relationship with God. And so when Jesus was talking to his disciples and he's looking out at Gehenna and he's like, you don't want that. Why? Because Christ's love for them was so great he was about to give up his life out of love for them. And he doesn't want anything standing in the way of that. He wants our kids in a relationship with him. He wants our grandkids in a relationship with him. And God is doing everything he can to keep us close to him so that we'll stay close to him and wants us to remove anything, absolutely anything, that's hindering that. I was just thinking about this this morning, like, how much does God love us? Can I, I want to read you four simple verses. It might help you understand, like, this is why God is working so hard to keep you close to him. John three sixteen. 
For God so loved the world, not just loved, so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish Gehenna, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Romans 5. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John 4. This is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Romans 5 again. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall be we saved through his life. I want you to see how much God passionately loves you and wants you close to him. Do a self-assessment in the quietness of your own thought. Do an assessment. Is there anything in your life, anything, even remotely, because it always starts with the small thing. Is there anything in your life that is going on in your life that maybe Satan's putting in your way that he wants to use to bring a wedge to destroy a relationship, to destroy your life, to destroy your relationship with God. And if there is anything, then then I would take the heart and say, God, give me the strength to turn it off, shut it off, get it out of my life, not communicate with that person who's so toxic with me and say, I'm not going to do this anymore with you. Not going to go there because it's like going to Gehenna with them and it's not good. So what is it in your life? And then let's just wrap it up here in this last verse. Salt is good, says Jesus, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. What does that mean, the saltiness? Salt was used in three different ways. It was used in sacrifices. It was used to enhance the flavor of meat. It was also used as a preservative. What God was saying was, he loves us so much and we're like salt in a relationship with God, we're like salt. And God wants us to be salty so that we're in worship to God. We're we're bringing out the best in others. We're preserving the faith, not only for us, but for those who come after us. That's what God's asking us. But he says, but if you lose that because you didn't pluck something out of your life, then you might lose your saltiness. Now, what what good are you? So he's coming from that standpoint of saying, you have value, you're loved. God's passionate about you. God gave up the most precious thing, if you will, his son for us. And he just wants us today to come to grips with how much he loves us. And if you realize how loved you are by God, don't compromise something in your life 
that could cause you to step out of that love that God has for you. But know that God's grace is yours. His love is for you. His forgiveness is for you. God calls us back repeatedly. I mean, daily, God's calling us back. He knows we're like sheep and we stray. He calls us back. We stray. He calls us back. That's normal. But sometimes he calls us back and we don't come back. He calls us back. We don't come back. Why? Because we're chasing something, something in our life leading us further and further. God will pull the stops out. He will go after you. He'll leave the 99. He'll go after you. Why? That's how much God loves you, your kids, your grandkids. If I'd sum it up, it's about how much God really loves us. Would you pray with me? Lord, this message isn't something that we have to be afraid of. But it's coming to grip with how much, how deep, how vast and how deep your love is for us. We can't comprehend that you would give up Jesus to die for us. And God, you're protective. You don't want anything in our lives that might hurt our relationship with you. And you know there's so many things that can hurt our relationship with you. So God, help us to look at our lives. Help us to identify those things. Maybe help us out, Spirit. Gently identify if there's anything hindering us so that we can focus on your grace, your kindness, your love, your forgiveness, your passion for us, and stay really close to you. And then God, if you would, every day we're meeting people that are straying. Give us what we need so that we can reach out and love others who are straying or those who don't know you yet or those that you're going after and you want to use us to go after them, to love them the way that you love them. So Lord, bless us and help us in our journey to help those who don't yet know you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Thank you for tuning in today. We hope you are challenged and encouraged to walk in truth in your everyday. Please share with friends and family, and we can't wait to have you next time on the Messiah Podcast.